Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcast, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. I want to welcome you in tonight. It's good to see you. Welcome our guest tonight is Vincent Jenna. 38 years he's served as a psychic therapist. Vincent is a teacher, guide, best-selling author, and hosts the Jenna Effect. As a mystic healer, he works with clients to help them unlock and revive their soul's passion and purpose. He reveals your keys you need to unlock your life streams. Let's welcome Vincent to the report tonight. How are you doing today? Great, Jim. How about yourself? Thank you for having me here tonight. Well, I I I am doing pretty good too. And then I realized something. I, you've been on before, which took me back. And then I was like, oh, it was a couple of years ago. It's okay. And then I looked it up. Yes, it was. It was a couple of years ago. But <laughs> well, thank you for having me back. Yeah. Uh, it's been. It was 2013. It's been more than a couple. <laughs> oh my gosh, was it that long ago? Yes. Oh, <laughs> Well, you know what? To me, everything is linked together anyway. And if anybody tells me that they just saw me yesterday, it feels like a couple of years ago. People say I didn't see you for a couple of years. It feels like yesterday. So when you get to my age, everything, all time is irrelevant. I know. Well, I was like, oh, you know, I'm like, I do remember him. And then I got excited when I seen your email or uh, whatever her name's email is from. Uh, yeah, from my Steve PR. Al- from Steve yeah. Allen. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll have him back on, of course. And then I went. Oh man, it has been a few. I'm like, I, you know, I hate that because I always tell people I'll have them back, and then here it goes nine years you between. Get busy, Jim. That's great. You've been busy. You've had other guests. Things have been going well. At least I hope they've been going well for you. Well, I'm still above ground, right? <laughs> you know what? There, there you go. But it's, sometimes these days, I wonder which is better. Um, because uh, once once you're in the ground, then you're on the other side, and you're in a peaceful world. With all the nonsense that's been going on since the last time I've spoken with you, <laughs> I don't know which side is better. Hey, look, I admit it. And to all of you listeners out there, I don't blame you when you turn around and you might say, you know, can we just start all over again, please? I mean, it just seems like this is not going anywhere good. Um, and I'll get that way, too. And I'm here. I am a spiritual leader and speaker and instill hope in people but yeah but i believe that um you know times are hard pressed here to uh make it an easy life it's not easy anymore it's tough my son who's what 15 sent me the meme of the easy button from staples years ago remember you they used to have that and it was everywhere yes, yes i love and i'm like he's like where did that go and i said i don't know but i surely could wish we could find it 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I wish it worked. <laughs> well, you've, I mean, it seemed like things were working better back. You know, there, at least there was a joke going around now. You know, like now it's well, I guess there's, but there's not. I don't know. Anyways, so for my listeners out there who don't know you so well, why don't you give us a little background on you, and then we'll start getting into what you've been doing the last few years. Oh my gosh, a little background. Okay, so I am a psychic therapist and a medium, spiritual teacher, and now author. Well, I've been authoring some journal articles and things like this, but this is my first book, The Secret That's Holding You Back. I've actually been involved, and it just goes to show you, you even have a slightly older bio. It's been almost 40 years now that I've been doing this work. Back at when I was 28 years old, um, I had a, a spiritual awakening uh, that was completely unexpected. It was from the desire of wanting to help a friend whose life was uh, not doing so well, and he didn't know how to reach out, and so he wasn't asking anybody for help, but I knew that his life was falling apart, and so it was a prayer um, after visiting him one weekend and a cry out to God for the help to be able to help him. I had no tools. I was a singer, actor, and dancer at the time, a professional, you know, performer. That's all I wanted in my life at that time. And then all of a sudden, after I say that prayer, um, all of these things started happening to me paranormally, spiritually, metaphysically. And here I am. Now I've been working with people all over the world. I have had thousands of clients within the past 40 years. I've done a tremendous amount of research. It was very important for me to understand the human mind upside down and inside out, especially since I go in it as a psychic and I go deep down into the darkest parts of the human mind. And that's why I went back to school to get my degrees, uh, BA in psychology, master's in clinical social work, because I really felt the responsibility and wanted to do it the best I could. The mediumship part just started to develop as I kept continuing my work. And so in the ability to be able to communicate with deceased loved ones, I'm able to help people not only with closure, but heal from um, injuries and damage that some of the, the these loved ones or not such loved ones have caused. Um, on top of that, uh, I have uh, opened my senses and have been able to communicate with animals here and have done a lot of work with that, working with a war dog and Oh, my gosh. I've worked all the way from a war dog to Coco the gorilla who died a few years ago. She was the sign languaging gorilla. Very famous. I wound up making a connection with her. And now, believe it or not, Jim, since last we've spoken, I've got an intergalactic communicating with me now so that I can teach the world the, the true reasons why aliens are coming to Earth. And yes, they are coming to Earth. They are our brothers and sisters. We were all created at the same time. They decided to go to other universes and they evolved faster than we did. That's the only reason why they're able to travel around interdimensionally. And But they're here to try to help us now because we've been messing it up quite a bit. So that's been my work. Um, I, I tour the country. I do a lot of television and radio um, because it's very important for me to help people believe in themselves and unblock and release their passions, their purpose. And this book is 40 years worth of my work and efforts and studies to help people with that because there's anomalies that go on the brain that get in the way of us manifesting what we really want, Jim. And it's really important to me to help people do that, you know? 
Especially today, right? Oh, yeah, because today is, well, anyways, you got to touch on that. We're not going to go down that road. We've got other things to talk about. But let's get after it, duckpondshop.com. Let's get after it, duckpondshop.com. Okay, so you wrote the book, The Secret That's Holding You Back. There's a lot. You just covered a lot of things that I scribbled down that I want to get back to, but I want to talk about the book first because, well, if I don't, I won't. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I love it. But go ahead. Brutally honest, right there, right? Yes. Uh, so go ahead. Uh, what I mean, it's so. What's what's holding? Well, the proverbial you back, not necessarily you, but <laughs> us. It's everybody. It holds everybody back. Here is the thing about the human brain that a lot of people need to understand. Now they've studied in biology in early courses in classes in school, all the way back to middle school, maybe. Um, the brain has two highest functions besides everything else that it does. The highest function is to keep us alive, Jim. And of course, then the second highest function is to protect us in order to keep us alive. So your brain will do things to help you to be able to cope in your life from day to day so that you can function. For example, physically, we know how it protects us because we just went through this pandemic and we're still going through it. And one of the symptoms of the coronavirus and its variants is a fever. Well, it's actually not the virus that's causing the fever. It's our brains that cause the fever. It purposely raises our body temperatures to an unlivable environment, hoping to kill off the virus and any other bacteria that comes in. So that's why we get fevers. Now, of course, the brain's not paying attention to the fact that the fever is uncomfortable. And if it raises it too high, it can actually kill us. No, it's agenda. Number one agenda, protect us from the virus. It also does that physically by the way we reason why we pass out. If your body needs oxygen for whatever reason, whether you're dehydrated, whether you've just climbed Mount Everest and you don't have enough oxygen, it will purposely make you pass out to lay you down flat on the ground. When we're laying down flat on the ground, we have more ability to take in deeper breaths, especially if we're unconscious and more relaxed from being passed out. Once you get more oxygen in, you wake up, you revive, right? It's not paying attention to the fact that you might hit a table on the way down and crack your head open. It just is agenda is to get you oxygen. So if it does that physically, what does it do emotionally when we have a lot of pains and we have a lot of self-beliefs that hurt us? And for example, when we're growing up, the first set of beliefs, and this is all in my book, the first set of beliefs we wind up forming, form as a child during our youths, um, based on the environmental messages we're receiving. And that's including from our parents, the adults, our siblings, and also where we're living, how we're living. That sends us messages as children. And a lot of times we receive negative messages. And so we harbor them in our brains. And I, I've divided the brain a little bit differently. We don't have to go into that right now. But we hold on to these negative messages and we're walking around. I also call them the I'm nots. I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not deserving enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not lovable enough. Whatever message we wind up receiving and we form very young, we don't have the, the, the ability. Our mind is not developed enough yet to make sense of those messages. So we hold on to those messages. Makes it very difficult for a person to cope that way. And you can see people with very weak coping mechanisms. That's where the depression and anxiety come from. 
So our brain will then create for us a whole new set of beliefs that shield us and protect us from that original set of beliefs. So now we're walking around with different attitudes and different beliefs. So instead of believing I'm not good enough, we wind up believing as young adults and adults that, you know what, it's my boss who's stupid. That's the reason why I didn't get a raise and a promotion this time. Or it's, oh, it's my partner. He's an idiot or she's terrible. She's, oh my God, she's all over me. Or he doesn't meet my emotional needs or he's abusive. Whatever, we come up with all these different excuses or it's the economy, it's the government, it's my neighbor, you know, it's the gays, it's the blacks, it's whatever. The defense mechanism will be created to have us cope. So coping skills that get us through our lives on a daily basis, don't necessarily help us thrive. They just help us to survive. Now, why is that so important, Jim? Because we are more than physical beings. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience, which means we are capable of manifesting. We are tapped into a power. George Lucas called it a force. I don't care what you call it. But we are connected to the law of attraction. We're capable of creating the lives we want. But we can only create from our unconscious minds, not our conscious minds. And deep down there in the unconscious mind is that holding mind with all the maladaptive beliefs of I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving. So I don't care if you're an adult and you think you deserve a wonderful partner or a wonderful job and you think you believe that. But way down deep inside, there's still that little voice, that little kid that's saying, well, you're not good enough. You're not lovable. You're not deserving. Well, that is the voice that the manifesting power hears. So now you put the energy out into the universe and you're getting yourself all ready and hyped up. Oh, man, I'm going to have a you know a great date tonight. I'm going to get a great job, that job I wanted. Or I'm going to win the lottery or I'm going to be really healthy and exercise and strong. And meanwhile, the negative voice is going out and you wind up attracting everything you don't want. That's why I wrote this book with the thousands of people that I have worked with, Jim, over the years and the studies that I have done. I have come to the common denominator as to what is getting in the way of our lives. And yes, there's plenty of spiritual talk out there. There's plenty of wonderful information out there. But everybody is attempting it, using it, trying to apply it and still end up saying it's not working. It's not working. I can't get it to work. That's because most people don't believe what they think they believe. And therefore, I needed to write this book, Jim, to help people with it. That's why it's there. So we're going to kind of cross bridges here with um, about the book, but about, well, it's not necessarily. Maybe it is. I don't know, because you've been working with people for a long time. Yes. Um, has social media. Because you know, I sit here, I sit here, I sit here and think it's help people. Oh, and go for it, Jim, go for it. You know, I, it's supposed to help people, right? But I think it's made us worse. Now, mm. I'm going to ask some. I'm going to defer to the guy with the more knowledge who's been actively pursuing people for well, not pursuing people. That's not the way I want to phrase that. I know it sounds really funny, but you're right. I've been working with people. Okay, Jim. Here's the thing. You got now. Now this is so hard pressed for people to understand this, but this is the way I can begin this explanation. Okay. Hollywood 
and the movie industry and the television industry, okay? Have they ever succeeded in putting out any movie they want at any time they want and that movie automatically becomes successful because they put it out? Is that the history of Hollywood? What do you think? Yeah, pretty close. I mean, there have been some... Oh, uh, no, no, yeah. Oh, no. I'll, I'll throw in some quotes. There are some duds, but they still... Oh, there's, not, there's a lot of duds. It fails because you know why? Because it's society that determines what's going to be successful and what they want. Yeah, but how many millions of people went out and seen Titanic and we all knew how that movie was going to end? Oh, but that's okay. That has nothing to do with the influence on people, Okay. <laughs> The point that we want to make here is, and the answer to your question is, media does not and will never shape society. Society shapes the media. You hear it all the time. You know darn well that the reason why all these news channels and all these television shows are out there, it's because of what people want to see, what they make famous, okay? So, for example, when the kids started playing, really getting into video games and stuff like that, all these other cartoon weird shows and and sci-fi shows came out that the kids made popular, okay? Because it isn't true. They have put out all different television shows that this, that Hollywood thought was going to be successful because they think they know everything that the people want, and they put it out there, and it just fails because they don't have influence over the society. They have to feed into the societal wants. Now, here is one, when I was in, this, in studying and getting my, my degrees in psychology and, and clinical social work, there was all these, obviously, these research studies that we had to you know, pursue and write about. And what I was really interested in is the idea that there is a study that says that the media in general, whether it be social media or television or anything like that, influences people. And so they did this study and they took a 100 men, a 100 men, and they divided them into two groups. And in one group, they were showing violent television shows. And the other group, they were showing really pleasant, you know, television shows and movies. And, of course, the research showed that the group that was watching the violent movies and television shows became extremely aggressive. And, of course, the people who were watching the pleasant ones weren't becoming aggressive. So now from that understanding and that research, they determined that the media can influence people. But guess what? They never told you what 100 men they were studying. Prisoners. 100 prisoners they did this study on. Okay, that is not the normal average person. A criminal is not the normal average person. And so when you're showing a criminal who's in jail for his aggressiveness or her aggressiveness to start with, and by the way, this was all men that they, they studied, and you start showing them violent movies, it's only going to bring out their natural nature at the time and personality. 
Okay, so don't tell me that this is what's going to happen to normal society. So, you know, researchers have great ways of manipulating numbers and their research in order to prove their own theories. But I have seen it over and over and over again that no matter what it is, it is not making it worse if it if you can't be made to feel worse. I can watch the exact same news that my neighbor watches. And because my neighbor is really sensitive, they get really upset about negative news. My wife and I will get bothered by it. But I turn around and I say, all right, I got to do more work. I got more people to help out there. And that's it. I'm not affected negatively by it. The exact same news that other people are watching. So it's mindset. It's where you are. It's where the society and the group of people are that will determine what's going to be effective or not. And then everybody feeds into that. And that's how they make money. You don't make money putting out what you want to put out. I've always known you make money. You find the needs of the people and then you fill it. And then that's how you make money. And that adage has gone down for most businesses and especially the media fields, social media, regular media, television media, all of that written media, Jim. So there's my answer to it. And I'm telling you, I will die by that and swear by that the rest of my life. Nobody has to be afraid of social media. If you're going to be bothered by it, that's your personality. It's not the media. It's not what I'm reading on Facebook. And you can read a whole bunch of crap on there. Okay? (laughs) That's a fact. Oh, tell me about it. But you know what? I read all of that stuff because then it gives me my next uh, piece of material for my podcast. (laughs) Oh, oh, boy. See? Oh, Oh, God. Hold on. Let's do this right. Shifting Gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com. Shifting Gears brought to you by evergreenpodcast.com. I was gonna, I, I, I was gonna ask you about the podcast because I'm interested because you weren't doing it the last time we were talking, and um, so what made you want to start doing a podcast besides wanting to get your message out there, or maybe well, that's the whole reason. It's interesting because what happened was I was actually a radio host for Unity Online Radio. Unity Online Unity is a spiritual organization. It's a new thought movement, just like Center for Spiritual Living, that like two divisions of um, the same belief system. And Unity, very big internationally. They had a, a, a radio network. So I was one of the hosts, as well as so many other of the luminaries out there today and famous people. But the network shut down. And so many of us wound up being transferred over to a podcast platform. I wanted to keep my information going. People were listening to me. And so that's what made me continue with the podcast because, well, first of all, Jim, I I love being heard. (laughs) If you you haven't figured it out right now, and I think you know what I mean, because otherwise you wouldn't have a podcast either. Nope. I know Uh, what you're saying. (laughs) You sold me. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when I, I, I have information I want to get out there to people, and it's really important for me to take advantage of any platform that I can use. That's why I do a lot of radio shows, a lot of television shows. Um, local, nationally, um, at the podcast, anything that I can do to get this message out there because people need it, especially now more than ever, especially now. 
Uh, but that's why I, I want to get my message out there. That's why I wrote the book. I'm looking to get that book to the New York Times bestseller list because that means it would have reached and would continue to reach a lot of people worldwide. And that's very important to me because I love the information that is in the book. It's already people are sending me emails that after reading the book in, and they finish it within a couple of days, they go back and they start the work and instantaneously they see results. I'm getting letter after letter about um, I was just offered a new job that uh, I my dream job with uh, with a raise, a substantial raise than what I'm doing right after I read your book and finally did the work. Um, all of that is happening. I just found a partner who was just amazing. I had no intention of, of even looking anymore. And I did your work and I changed some of my beliefs and bingo, there's this person. And we feel like we've known each other from other lifetimes. And that goes on and on on and on and on and and it's important because i know people are so tired and exhausted from trying it's it's actually today it takes so much energy to have hope jim it and it's so sad don't you think i mean because people they'll have hope and then they're disappointed and then they see the world then something else tragic happens in life and it rips at their hope that life is going to get better, not just for them, but globally. Look, what difference does it make how successful your life becomes if you have to worry about one day a bomb dropping on your country and blowing up your butt? You know what I mean? It's just like it, 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 it doesn't make sense for people. And so it's really hard for people to have hope today. Um, they spend a lot of energy holding on to that. And I'm like doing everything I can to help them feel empowered so that they can make the changes. There's wonderful information out there today more than ever before. And I want that information to work for people. And that's the major reason why I wrote this book. It, it, like it goes along with every other book that you buy, every other how-to book, and you need mine. Um, the, the way I liking it, 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 it's like, you can go to the gym or you can exercise, right? We, we have to exercise for good health and to stay strong. And so if you want, you can work on different parts. Like you can do aerobics. You can do some body work. Maybe you'll do upper body work. Maybe you do lower body work. Maybe you do individual muscle parts. But no matter what you do when it comes to exercise and becoming stronger, every trainer, Every doctor, every scientist tells us it's absolutely necessary to work on one part of our body with everything else that we do. The core, your core, your core muscles, which is right where your belly button is right there. Those happen to be the smallest and the weakest muscles of the human body. But meanwhile, they connect your upper body with your lower body. And why so many people have lower back issues and problems because they don't have a strong core. My book is the core. It's the core to all the other work. So you're exercising, you pull together all the work that you're doing by working on your core and strengthening your core. Now, all those wonderful exercises you're doing for all the other body parts make more sense and come together in one whole balanced unit and body. Well, that's what my book is. It's the core to make everything else you attempt work and work together and function the right way. That's how I really like to see my book. It's it's the core exercise of, of your life, spiritually and physically. So let's take a moment here, because, again, one of these things, if I don't do it right now while I'm thinking about it, 
because I look at the clock and we're about halfway and it scares me in a good way, right? Like, you know, because I got some other things I want to talk about. Uh, where can people find you, the book, the podcast? Give me that Give me that great, okay. sweet promo here in the middle of the show. There you go. If you go to vincentjenna.com, that's with G-E-N-N-A, you will find the links and the connections to everywhere else. Of course, you go to amazon.com, you can get the book directly. I have the audio version as well that I had a great time recording. Um, we did that in the studio. So that's available there. All my, You get to also my podcast. It's called The Jenna Effect. And you can either link through it on my website or go to mindbodyspirit.fm or you can just Google the Jenner effect and you'll find it. Mindbodyspirit.fm is one of the platforms that it's on. They kind of like pull together a whole bunch of luminaries that are doing podcasts and you can find them all on there. But of course, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just the Jenna effect. Go to vincentjenna.com. The Jenna Effect podcast is there. All my other social media links are there. And the way to get my book is also there or Amazon.com directly. So, kind of great question here from Germantown Runner. And now I'm going to try not to butcher it. When uh, clinical therapy and, and psychic therapy kicks in, how do you balance that in your in your work? Oh, wow. that's it. That is a great question. I actually found what I started as a psychic first when this came to me back when I was 20 years old. So I was doing psychic readings. But the most interesting thing is when I was doing the psychic readings, I was also giving natural counseling as if I was a therapist already, because that was the messages that I was getting. It's important for me not just to tell you your past, present and your future, but to tell you what's getting in your way. Why do you need to know about your past if you've been through it? Well, a lot of people don't know anymore what they're harboring inside of them, what they've suppressed out of protection, right? Those inner core feelings. I see that right away. And then, I, like I said earlier, I realized the responsibility I had by going in there. So as a psychotherapist, I kind of had to sit down and wait until the clients would come to answers themselves because that is the way that's according to 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 psychology, the idea is it's stronger for a person to come to their own answer. Well, that's great. And I'm sitting there as a psychic seeing the answer and seeing the problem and waiting and waiting and then waiting the next week and the week after that and the week after that. And that's why it takes people several weeks, if not years, going to therapists to get to the core answer. They go through layer upon layer upon layer. As a psychic, I'm seeing through all those layers. A matter of fact, when I was becoming a psychotherapist, my supervisors would say to me, gee, Vince, you must have some kind of a sixth sense when it comes to diagnosing your clients. You can diagnose them within five minutes of them talking with you so accurately that should take a couple of week visits before you can come up with a diagnosis. But you're amazing that way. And I was sitting there and going, yeah, well, I'm not telling you why. But yeah, I understand why I'm able to because I'm seeing what the problem is right away. So I gave up. It was just a natural flow going into being a psychic again. But this time, I really wanted to combine both. When you come for a reading with me, and our reading is like 12 years of therapy, you're going to get 
the understanding of what's gotten in your way, how to get it out of your way, and how to make everything work again. And I see it from the past. I see your future. I see your present so that I can validate what you're going through. Then the mediumship part came along because chances are there are deceased people who help to cause some of the blockages that you have today. And when they link up with me and we're doing the therapy together with you and this reading together with you, it is causing such incredible healing, Jim, for people. So the psychic therapist was just a natural transition and I don't have to worry about waiting for the client to come up with the answer. I'll give them the answer. You know, if people can come up with their own answers, they would have. And everybody would be healthy and happy, right? But they're not because obviously they're not seeing the answer. So you still have to use whatever I give you. It doesn't make it all better overnight. You still have to apply what I tell you about you and what you need to do if you choose to. So it's still your free will and it's still your option. And it becomes just as strong whether you get it from me or whether you get it from you in 20, 30, 50, 60 or 70 years. That's why I made that transition into the psychic therapist and why it distinguishes me because most psychics, don't want to go there. And of course, no therapist goes to the psychic part and comes up with the answer. So I've got a unique presentation in being able to do this work. And, and I'm thrilled about it because it's very effective when I do the work like that. And, and I, I, I teach it to people, actually. I teach it to others so that they can do um, similar work if that's what they want to do as a psychic. So yeah, that's it. definitely psychic therapist for me. So let's double down. How has the pandemic changed your clientele before, during, after? Okay. It's easier to talk about the after effect. People are so whacked out at this point, Jim. They are having a hard time dealing with if their lives were anything according to what normality would be in society today, there is no such thing as normal anymore, which is very interesting. We don't have a normal baseline anymore after the pandemic and while we're still going through it. And and that's all across the board, not just with with people as individuals, but with society as a whole and even with businesses. Right. We can see straight across the board how much everything has changed and that we're not going back to what we were used to. So going back before the pandemic, when some people thought that their lives were copacetic and everything was OK in it, the pandemic shook them up and it brought to the surface all of the issues that they had had buried, that's one thing the pandemic did, which is why we can't go back to normal anymore. Normal was everybody hiding their crap, everybody hiding the stuff that got in their way. The secret, the secret that's holding you back, the secret is all of your stuff that you've kept secret for however many years you've been going through life because of the protective mechanisms that suppressed it and repressed it. Well, the pandemic shook that all up and it broke the defense mechanisms. It made the defense mechanisms very weak. And now people aren't dealing with the healing stuff. They're dealing with all of the nasty stuff mixed together. 
And so they don't know what to think anymore. They don't know what's real, what to believe in. They're just trying to get by. Uh, my clientele, where everybody else may have been, well, not, I can't say everybody else, but other businesses were suffering during the pandemic. I, I was busier than ever. I mean, go. I mean, figure this. I'm a psychic therapist, so I get both worlds wanting to call me, even though I don't do psychotherapy. I'll just clarify that. I do not do psychotherapy. I do psychic therapy, which is completely different, like I said. And they were calling me left and right all over the place, wondering what to do, how they were going to get through this and fare through this, how their businesses were going. Um, what choices should I move? I can't go out. I can't, you know, all of this stuff. So it was crazy and I was busy and I felt really bad for people. Uh, my wife and I, we were doing great. Our families were doing great and, and we were all very content and happy in our businesses. And so, and it was, we almost felt guilty for feeling, you know, good while everybody else was suffering so much because of it. But, I teach people when you create a spiritual bank account, which has nothing to do with religion, but it has to do with with what you feed positively into your mind. And I call it a bank account. And it's, it's almost as if it's, it, you know, like a savings account somewhere. When you feed that with good things, good ideas, good beliefs, good actions and behaviors, you can depend on making withdrawals from there when crises come along. So, yes, we drive around in cars. We're going to get flat tires. But if you have a decent spiritual bank account, it doesn't mean you have to end up in a six-car pileup. It just means that, you're all right, I'm, I made a withdrawal and it kept me from having a bad accident. All I have to do is call AAA or just change the tire myself. And that's the way it is across the board. And I believe... With my family and I, we've done a lot of that work, and it works. And we're nobody special. We're, I'm not claiming that. I'm claiming everybody is special. But you got to do the work. You've got to do the work. So more people were interested in doing the work now more than ever before because they didn't know what else to do. That's what happened after the pandemic. So you said there's not a normal right now. Do we ever, I mean, obviously it's, well, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Maybe I shouldn't do that, but I'm going to, at some point we're going to find a, I hate this new normal, but how long does that take? The new normal. People seem to think that there's a new normal now and until the new normal changes. Here's what we have to face, Jim. There is nothing such as normality. There is nothing such as practicality. There is nothing such as um, anything that's an absolute and definite, because when it comes down to it, because we're spiritual forces, perception is reality. So the new normal changes with each perception change that we have. So what may be normal for you right now is not my normal. So therefore, there is no such thing as the average normal. There is not going to be the average lifestyle anymore. There's not going to be, no matter what data comes along, it's still going to be manipulated in some way, you know, because what do we call normal now? You know, as time, look at, look at what we thought was normal in pronouns. He, she, um, and, um, right? Yeah. Got with it. Now it's not, that's not normal anymore. 
It's he, she, them. They're coming up with all different pronouns, right? Because um, new people that are coming in are identifying differently, have different attitudes about themselves, about life. And so it's changing. Everything is changing. But it's meant to change, to shake up, because this whole life thing that we're living here on this planet is such an illusion it just goes to show you that because we can make such changes so instantaneously because of one pandemic that comes along, we have changed so many things. It's ridiculous, right? Uh, besides the economy, we actually have changed in society um, jobs and the way jobs work. There are the statistics now show that that staying home and working from home actually produces more functionality and um, they're gaining more. Businesses are gaining more from the employees working at home. Oh, my gosh, that's an incredible change that happened overnight because of one pandemic, but it's producing something more positive. And as we see and allow ourselves to be adaptable to change, more change will occur, more growth will occur. And then we may have the ability to find who we are because we're unlimited beings. And how can unlimited beings find their unlimited ability if they keep themselves limited and closed up to one norm? Nothing is normal anymore. And even when it will be, it could be called normal tomorrow. It'll change the next day because that's what we've seen now. We're seeing that we like labels, don't we? We just like labels. We like saying that things are normal. We can't even, even in, when it comes to mental health now, we don't even know what normality is in mental health anymore because so many people are walking around in an anxious, stressful way. What are we supposed to say? If that is the majority of people walking around stressful, then we are supposed to say that stress is normal. And we do. We say stress is normal in life. Well, guess what? It wasn't normal before there was a whole bunch of things to be stressful about. How come our ancestors, and I'm talking about those that were on the beaches and walking around in their sandals and the and the robes and stuff like that, you know, they didn't they didn't even know what the word stress meant until some psychiatrists and psychologists came out with it. So you see, it's constantly changing based on our perception. Let go of the labels, let go of the need to make something normal and make something beautiful. Make what you want. Make your life. And your life may not fit into anything that society or anybody else would call normal. How wonderful. I'm not normal. And God, Jim, I hope you're not normal. Well, I think neither of us are because I think we do these podcasts to try to stand out and learn different things and do all these different things. That's right. And, you know, so I, I was watching a, a video. Was it last night or the night before? It doesn't matter. About, um, about uh, Henry Ford and the automation and all you know all the great things yes. that he did and the the last cut shot of this documentary was people will always want a faster horse henry ford and i went he's right whatever the you know the 2018 model was if it you know we can go faster in the next one we're gonna have to have it yes and it's really funny because henry ford was one of those people there were a group of men who used to gather together. God, I, I 
I wish I can remember every single word and and place that I ever hear of that I know that I want to use. I can't remember everything anymore. But there was a place I I think it was upstate in New York somewhere where these these luminaries, these brilliant men would meet and just brainstorm and just talk about inspirational thoughts. And the one thing that they all came up with was the idea that if they saw it, if they imagined it, that it must be real and that we're constantly wanting to move to knowing what we know. A matter of fact, that is the story of the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden and what was meant by that whole story with Adam and Eve. Because we wanted to know all we knew too early, we couldn't handle it. And so we lost peace and harmony. That's the whole story in a nutshell about the Garden of Eden. We tapped into our knowledge too fast. And what Henry was saying is they'll always want a faster horse because they know they can have one. They know it. You never want, think about this for a moment, you will never want what you don't know you can already have. Before there was television, Nobody sat around saying, damn, I want a TV. They didn't know there could be a TV. So nobody knew what they were missing at the time. Right? But deep down inside of us, there is a knowing, which is why people that have those inspirations follow them. Because they believe that if they... It's real. That too, one morning when he woke up, he had a vision. And he told his brother, I just had a vision of people floating in the sky on some kind of vehicle. And his brother said, that's crazy. That'll never happen. And he said, no, you don't understand, Orville. If I saw it in my head, it has to be real. This has to be real. It's just our job now to find out how to create that vehicle to make it real. Albert Einstein always said that. Tell me what God is thinking, the details I don't need to know. What he meant by that is he thought the God force was a force rather than a deity, a being. And he felt that that force communicated to us in inspirations. And so he knew that if he just had this idea one day, gee, I wonder if I can define time. That all he had to do then is, okay, I've got, that's my job. I got to now define time. The details, what it's going to look like, how it's going to come about, I don't have to worry about because the universe is going to help me with that. But I just had this thought about it. That must mean I have to pursue it. And if everybody went after their lives that way and started trusting, which is what I teach, and teaching the secret that's holding you back, that your inspirations, your intuition is your direct guideline to who you really are, what you've chosen for yourself in this lifetime, and how to pursue that so that you know you can, so that you recognize and you finally come to understand the type of beings we are. And that's the whole purpose of even pursuing. So yes, the luminaries knew 
that the answers that you would never want or desire for something you don't already have. You just have to bring it in and experience it then. I think that answered your, that talk. That. Uh, well, if it didn't, I don't remember the question, so you're all good. Oh, really? <laughs> My mind started trying to prepare the next one, which is, uh, we mentioned talking to animals and aliens in the intro of the show, and I look at the time and I go, um, yeah, if I don't get back to that, I'll never get to it. And uh, which one, okay, let's start with the very half-cocked question I have. Which one is easier to talk to? Interesting. Um, the animals. Animals are actually even easier to talk to than humans on on um, a psychic level because animals don't have defense mechanisms. OK, um, I, I always ask for permission to get into an animal and animals speak differently. Now, I understand something. I'm not sitting here telling everybody that that a dog has a major conversation with me like you and I are talking now. No, that is not what happens, okay? It's what happens is, if I can describe it in any way that is humanly understandable, is I make a link. My energy links with the animal's energy because everything has energy. I can even talk to a plant. Then. Link with the animal's energy, and the energy of the animal basically manipulates the words in my own mind. I allow my words to be gathered and used kind of like um, the little plastic letters that you have with kids and they put words together with it. You teach them how to put words together with it. They usually magnetize on the refrigerator. Well, they kind of the animals do the same thing where they're putting these little words and it's very childlike because they do not have an adult or human type of intellect. Most of it is temperamental. So they talk very childlike to me, but there's no defense mechanisms that I have to break through or 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 see. And so it's so easy to hear from them. Um, and then now it's become the aliens because all I have to do is ask them a, a question and they shoot me an answer if they believe that it's appropriate. And so that's been easier. Um, so it, I, I'm going to drill down on that for a second because how, how, how did you come to grips with that the first time? Oh, please. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding. My whole family wanted to have an intervention by that point. I was going to say, I, I, I mean, because <laughs> normally I ask people, you know, I do a lot of paranormal around here, right? And the first question is, well, how did that go the first time you told somebody? And normally they've seen a ghost or whatever. That's, you know, all familiar to me. But right. this one uh, is that next step. So how, how did you, I mean, how did you deal with it? I can't imagine telling somebody. We'll get to that in a minute, I'm sure. Well, actually, I did. What, what, well, you see, after you're doing my type of work, and here is the thing. I've done enough work to open up my senses as wide. They keep, it keeps opening wider and wider and wider. And as long as your senses are open wide enough, you're tapped into everything. You're tapped into all information and all the dimensions. So anything that's then communicating within those dimensions, you would be able to hear. I hear, I sense, I know when it comes to that. 
And so I was sitting in my office right after a reading, and I just heard in in my mind's ear, and it still sounds like me. It's not like, well, you know what it started. All that BS channeling of people changing their voices when somebody is trancing through them, that's all nonsense. All right? They don't have vocal cords. Spirits do not have vocal cords. And certainly if aliens are communicating with me and they're not in the room and they're doing it telepathically, I am not going to hear an intonation other than my own because that's what they use to communicate so i'm sitting and all of a sudden i just hear out of the clear blue we want to talk with you very very you know quietly very monotone if anything you know very simple we want to talk with you and i had no idea where that was coming from um, but I have learned to trust and I teach everybody to honor your inner voice. So I expected that if I heard that, that it must be something. You know, I joke about it and I said, yeah, I turned to my ficus tree in the office and said, is that you? Um, you know, because I was just wondering, oh, my God, as I guess as a psychic, anything, maybe the bug on the floor is talking to me. Hey, hey, worm, you know, is that you a cockroach? Are you trying to say something to me? What? Um, uh, but no, they said, no, it's, it's, it is us. Um, and then they introduced themselves to me. And so, yeah. So the first person that I tell is my wife. She's been with me for 49 years. She was with the start of all of this. She knows she believes in me 100%. So I would go to her very casually though. And I say, honey, you're not going to believe this next communication that I just had. And she goes, oh no, what? Well, they claim to be an intergalactic um, council. And she says, oh, my God, now, are you talking with aliens? Is that what you're saying? Oh, my God. And so the first thought is more like, do we want to share this um, and chance ruining my reputation in any way? Now, that's more of hers and everybody else's thoughts that are around me that love me. My thought is, if this comes to me, it's not mine to hold on to. It's for me to be sharing because that is the agreement I have with the universe is what you send to me, what I wind up receiving is what I'm going to be sharing. And it can only be for the benefit of others. I will not accept any information. I will not hear anything that is harmful to anybody or anything that's negative that people cannot do. That's why people trust me, because I tell them right away, I will not see something or know something if you can't do something about it. So if you're meant to die tomorrow and you can't do anything about it, I don't see, I won't see it at all. So don't come haunt me once you do die and tell me that I didn't tell you in the reading you were going to die tomorrow. Um, I won't see that stuff. So if the aliens are talking to me, it has to be for positive reasons. So I can't hide that myself. And yes, did I get some flack from my family? But as soon as I go out into my world and the, you know, the paranormal world, everybody is quite accepting of it. Um, it, it Some question it as far as because you've got a lot of charlatans out there, and I'm sure, Jim, you've met some of them yourselves, um, but they claim everything. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a great psychic. I'm a great medium. Oh, yes, I, I talk with aliens. I channel aliens. I do this with aliens. I have sex with aliens. All of the oh, my God, you know, all out of the woodwork. You get all of these people doing that. But in the meantime, what that winds up doing is discrediting the information. 
And my primary intent is never to discredit positive, beneficial, helpful material and information. I work on myself to walk my talk. I check my defense mechanisms. So that way, it's not about me. It's about the information. Do I believe I'm a great messenger with the work and the information I have? Yeah, damn well. I spent a lot of time learning how to do that. Why not? I like the way I speak. I like the way, you know, I sound. I like the way I reach people. So, yes, I, I'm okay with being the one that gives out this information. I'm not the only one. But I have to like what I do, and I have to like that aspect about me in order to keep this information pure and healthy. So that's my primary thing. So I can't be bothered and worry about what people are going to think about me because then it becomes about me and not the message and the information. You know what I mean, Jim? I do. So I have to tell you. Um, oh, goodness. I don't want to ramble on because we're almost out of time. Uh, goodness. It's been well, probably right around the time I talked to you last time. I had a medium contact me and said, hey, I want to be on your show. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I taken every, I, you know, back in the earlier days, you take more people. And she's like, swears up and down. She wants to do a pre-interview, uh, interview, show me her, do a reading for me and this, that, and the other. And I said, well, I normally don't do those because I just want it to be an organic conversation. I want people, I don't want, because I know if I've heard something the first time, I get bored the second time, especially if we're talking on, you know, on the show. She's like, no, you got to do this. I said, okay. And so I'm, I call her up and she's like, there's somebody else in the room with you. And I'm like, okay. She's like, go ahead and put it on speaker. And I'm like, okay. And she sits there and proceeds to tell me about the number of kids I have, which is a multiple of three too high. Um, and just right down the list of everything that she could get wrong. She got wrong. I'm just like sitting there going, okay. Yeah. Like telling me I have this you know great relationship with my father, which is a, absolute and complete lie you know like just right down the line i'm like boy she could have read anything more wrong <laughs> yeah it's pretty sad jim you know um did you ever watch american idol at all oh yeah when came? okay well remember they always had on those people who absolutely believed they were god's gift to the singing world and they <laughs> actually couldn't even carry a tune well there is a there's a reason why that happens. It's actually a phenomena. When when you feel very low about yourself in general, that deep down part, which is again in my book, that inner child, that inner voice, because you come from an abusive background, a bad background, right? So you feel really bad about yourself. Well, your brain again has to protect you. And so what it will do is it will create a belief system that will compensate for the lower belief system. So instead of believing that you're terrible, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, now it makes you believe that you're incredible, that you that you are fabulous, that you're a star. And people will grasp onto those fields, all right, before the psychic and especially the mediumship field was made famous by people like James Van Prague, John Edwards, and now the Long Island Medium, right? <laughs> Before that, nobody even cared about whether you were a medium and could see dead people, okay? Maybe small groups of spiritualists around the world, right, and over in England. But as soon as that became popular, as soon as 
American Idol came out, as soon as those grandiose shows came out that make stars and famous people, everybody needed to believe they were that good. It's 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 a form of narcissism. Narcissism is created because you feel the lowest of low. Vince, and, I, I, I've got to cut you because I've got one oh, more quick. Go I've got one more quick question, yeah, and we're out of time. Right. Favorite breakfast? Oh, my favorite breakfast is um, uh, okay. What is my favorite breakfast? Um, um, oh my gosh! Okay, French toast made from cinnamon buns with the hey, icing and us. syrup all it's over it. Oh my God, I absolutely it. love Thank that. As fattening as it is, and all, I heartily eat it, but that is my favorite breakfast. I don't have Sounds great, Vince. Talk to you again soon. Be great. All right, buddy. It'll be sooner than you think. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.